Welcome back to Cafe Olid. Put some epic music over that. Except I'm lazy. Here's your coffee ASMR for the episode. Um, with a little hint of allergy. So, this one is going to be Mr. and Mrs. Elliot. Um, and boy, did Hemingway know how to keep his friends. Um, and yes, I do mean that sarcastically. Um, so I think, I think this, this vignette goes really well into this story in a weird enough sort of way. Um, chapter nine, the first matador got the horn through his sword hand and the crowd hooted him. The second matador slipped and the bull caught him through the belly, and he hung on to the horn with one hand and held the other tight against the place, and the bull rammed him wham against the wall and the horn came out, and he lay in the sand, and then got up like crazy drunk and tried to slug the men carrying him away and yelled for his sword, but he fainted. The kid came out and had to kill five bulls because you can't have more than three matadors, and the last bull he was so tired he couldn't get the sword in. He couldn't hardly lift his arm. He tried five times and the crowd was quiet because it was a good bull and it looked like him or the bull. And then he finally made it. He sat down in the sand and puked and they held a cape over him while the crowd hollered and threw things down into the bull ring. So, get this super macho, like tough bullfighter. Couple, couple bullfighters. Um, and then you follow that up with a story with the first line of Mr. and Mrs. Elliot tried very hard to have a baby. They tried as often as Mrs. Elliot could stand it. Um, you know what? We're going to read the whole thing. It's not, it's not that long. It's less than four pages. Um, so, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Elliot, which... It's definitely um, Hemingway insulting T.S. Eliot, if you're wondering. Um, yeah. He also teases Ezra Pound in this a little bit. And, um, yeah. Like I said, he was great at keeping friends. He uh, really knew, really knew how to 
how to treat his friends right. Um, I mean, he was an asshole, actually. In case that's not clear. Um, all right, Mr. and Mrs. Elliot. Mr. and Mrs. Elliot tried very hard to have a baby. They tried as often as Mrs. Elliot could stand it. They tried in Boston after they were married, and they tried coming over on the boat. They did not try very often on the boat because Mrs. Elliot was quite sick. She was sick, and when she was sick, she was sick as southern women are sick. That is women from the southern part of the United States. Like all southern women, Mrs. Elliot disintegrated very quickly under seasickness, traveling at night, and getting up too early in the morning. Many of the people on the boat took her for Elliot's mother. Other people who knew they were married believed she was going to have a baby. In reality, she was 40 years old. Her years had been precipitated suddenly when she started traveling. She had seemed much younger. In fact, she had seemed not to have any age at all when Elliot had married her after several weeks of making love to her after knowing her for a long time in her tea shop before he had kissed her one evening. Um... Making love in, in at this point in the 20s, that did not mean sex. Um... It was more of like a, um, if I remember correctly, that is, um, it wasn't so much an innuendo as it was, or I don't even know if that's the right term, but it was, it wasn't so much of a, like a sexual term as it was like, um, you were kind of, uh, I guess, ch ch chasing after someone you were trying to. Um, kind of falling for them, trying to trying to get with them, fall in love with them. I'm not explaining this very well. Um, I'm just gonna keep reading. All right, Hubert Elliot was taking postgraduate work in law at Harvard when he was married. He was a poet with an income of nearly ten thousand dollars a year. He wrote very long poems very rapidly. He was 25 years old and had never gone to bed with a woman until he married Mrs. Elliot. He wanted to keep himself pure so that he could bring to his wife the same purity of mind and body that he expected of her. He called it to himself living straight. He had been in love with various girls before he kissed Mrs. Elliot and always told them sooner or later that he had led a clean life. Nearly all the girls lost interest in him. He was shocked and really horrified at the way girls would become engaged to and marry men whom they must know had dragged themselves through the gutter. He once tried to warn a girl he knew against a man of whom he had almost proof that he had been a rotter at college and a very unpleasant incident had resulted. Mrs. Elliot's name was Cornelia. She had taught him to call her Colatina, which was her family nickname in the South. His mother cried when he brought Cornelia home after their marriage, but brightened very much when she learned they were going to live abroad. Cornelia had said, You dear sweet boy, and held him closer than ever when he had told her how he had kept himself clean for her. Cornelia was pure too. Kiss me again like that, she said. Hubert explained to her that he had learned that way of kissing from hearing a fellow tell a story once. He was delighted with his experiment, and they developed it as far as possible. Sometimes, when they had been kissing together a long time, Cornelia would ask him to tell her again that he had kept himself really straight for her. The, de the declaration always set her off again. At first, Hubert had no idea of marrying Cornelia. He had never thought of her that way. 
She had been such a good friend of his, and then one day the little back room of the shop they had been dancing to the gramophone while her girlfriend was in the front of the shop, and she had looked up into his eyes, and he had kissed her. He could never remember just when it was decided that they were to be married, but they were married. They spent the night of the day they were married in a Boston hotel. They were both disappointed, but finally Cornelia went to sleep. Hubert could not sleep and several times went out and walked up and down the corridor of the hotel in his new Jaeger bathrobe that he had bought for his wedding trip. As he walked, he saw all the pairs of shoes, small shoes and big shoes, outside the doors of the hotel rooms. This set his heart to pounding and he hurried back to his own room, but Cornelia was asleep. He did not like to waken her and soon everything was quite all right and he slept peacefully. <laughs> Crack me up. So they spent the night of the day they were married in a Boston hotel. They were both disappointed, but finally Cornelia went to sleep. Like, they've saved themselves for their wedding night, and they're both just not good at sex, and they're both disappointed. Um, and then for some reason... Seeing all the all the shoes outside the doors of the hotel rooms got old Hubert going again. Just uh, so weird. Like this is the tone of this story. <clears throat> Excuse me. The tone of this story, following the tone of that bullfight. Um is just a complete contrast as well as the the complete lack of like um control and toughness and just like what would have Hemingway would have like considered masculinity but between this one after the after the bullfighting story is just a com another complete just flip um and we'll never know for sure that Hemingway put them in this order on purpose but it kind of feels like he wanted to kind of show what a real man was like and then immediately tell you why Mr. Elliot was not such a man. Um, and I would not put it below Hemingway to do something like that. Um, he was terrible to his friends. Um, back to the story. The next day they called on his mother and the next day they sailed for Europe. It was possible to try to have a baby, but Cornelia could not attempt it very often, although they wanted a baby more than anything else in the world. They landed at Cherbourg and came to Paris. They tried to have a baby in Paris. Then they decided to go to Dijon, where there was summer school, and where a number of people who crossed on the boat with them had gone. They found there was nothing to do in Dijon. Hubert, however, was writing a great number of poems, and Cornelia typed them for him. They were all very long poems. He was very severe about mistakes, and would make her redo an entire page if there was one mistake. She cried a good deal, and they tried several times to have a baby before they left Dijon. They came to Paris, and most of their friends from the boat came back, too. They were tired of Dijon, and anyway, would now be able to say that after leaving Harvard or Columbia or Wabash, they had studied at the University of Dijon down in the Côte d'Or. Many of them would have preferred to go to Languedoc, 
Montpellier or Perpignan if there are universities there, but all those places are too far away. Dijon is only four and a half hours from Paris, and there is a diner on the train. Um, the phrase Harvard or Columbia or Wabash, however you say that, was calculated to tease Ezra Pound, who as a teacher of foreign languages had been fired by Indiana's Wabash College. But it also reflects Hemingway's scorn for Ivy League schools and academic credentials, because Hemingway did not go to college. Um, fun fact. Um... Yes. Let us continue. So they all sat around the Café de Dome, avoiding the rotunda across the street because it was because it is always so full of foreigners for a few days, and then the Elliots rented a chateau in Touraine through an advertisement in the New York Herald. Elliot had a number of friends by now, all of whom admired his poetry, and Mrs. Elliot had prevailed upon him to send over to Boston for her girlfriend, who had been in the tea shop. Mrs. Elliot became much brighter after her girlfriend came, and they had many good cries together. The girlfriend was several years older than Cornelia and called her honey. She, too, came from a very old Southern family. The three of them, with several of Elliot's friends who called him Hubie, went down to the chateau in Touraine. They found Terrain to be a very flat, hot country, very much like Kansas. Elliot had nearly enough poems for a book now. He was going to bring it out in Boston and had already sent his check to and made a contract with a publisher. Um, Hemingway's saying that he could not get, like Mr. Elliot here, could not get a real publishing contract, and so he's having to pay someone to print the books for him. Um... Yeah, just, <laughs> he really just liked insulting people, I think, um, as much as he did writing his books. Because um, his first, he did, he wrote, uh, to get out of the contract, he wrote a, um, a sort of parody, a satire, um, a lampoon, if you will, of a... Um, was that Sherwood Anderson novel, um, Dark Laughter, um, and he called it the Torrents of Spring, and just making fun of Sherwood Anderson the whole time um, to get out of a contract because Sherwood Anderson was a really big um, draw, like one of the biggest selling people for the for Bonnie and Levright, who Hemingway was with at the time, but he was trying to get to Scribner's, and he had. They had him down for a novel, but if they passed on the novel, then that he gave them, then he was uh, legally free um, to sign with someone else. Um, they clearly did not know Hemingway very well, or they would not have given him that clause in the contract. Um, but anyway, in a short time, the friends began to drift back to Paris. Terrain had not turned out the way it looked when it started. Soon all the friends had gone off with a rich, young, and unmarried poet to a seaside resort near Trouville. There they were all very happy. 
Elliot kept on at the chat at the chateau in terrain because he had taken it for all summer. He and Mrs. Elliot tried very hard to have a baby in the big hot bedroom on the big hard bed. Mrs. Elliot was learning the touch system on the typewriter, but she found that while it increased the speed, it made more mistakes. The girlfriend was now typing practically all of the manuscripts. She was very neat and efficient and seemed to enjoy it. Elliot had taken to drinking white wine and lived apart in his own room. He wrote a great deal of poetry during the night and in the morning looked very exhausted. Mrs. Elliot and the girlfriend now slept together in the big medieval bed. They had many a good cry together. In the evening, they all sat at dinner together in the garden under a plain tree and the hot evening wind blew and Elliot drank white wine and Mrs. Elliot and her girlfriend made conversation and they were all quite happy. Hemingway appears to be saying that Mr. Elliot here is so little of a man that his wife can be stolen not not even by another man but by a woman um right out from under him um this is just I think the, the main thing about this story is just it, it's kind of like a just hit piece um, in a lot of ways. Just there's not a whole lot in this that's necessary in any way like for him to write this story. Um, it does say in a footnote that, um, he first published it in October of 1924 and it was called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, to satirize a wealthy expatriate poet, Chard Powers Smith. Excuse me. But Hemingway later retitled the piece either to avoid a libel suit or because he learned that the real Mrs. Smith had died in childbirth in 1924. When Bonnie and Livewright accepted In Our Time, they found the opening sentences too sexually suggestive and made Hemingway modify the language. The final title reflects Hemingway's scorn for T.S. Eliot, whom he had already insulted in the Transatlantic Review. Um, so it wasn't necessarily written about T.S. Eliot and his wife, but Hemingway did... Um, for whatever reason, decided to change, well, whatever reason he did try to change the name. Um, and, and the name he chose was Elliot and he spelled it slightly different. He added an, a second L. Um, so even though it wasn't written about T.S. Elliot, um, he's still, he's still poking Elliot with this title, um, kind of shooting a shot at him. Um, a little cheap shot, as Hemingway is prone to do. Um, let me find... I think I only took like one or two notes for this. Um, I didn't have a whole lot to say about it. But... There we go. Um, yeah, I think the story is heavily 
like I kind of mentioned, it's 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 most of most of it is about uh, sexuality and um, masculinity, or at least Hemingway's version of masculinity. Um, and just the contrast between the bullfight before this one. Like I said, I just think it's too much of a coincidence. Um, it, it adds a certain like comparison element to the uh, to the story when you read it right after that vignette, where this this man is fighting and fighting. He's fought five bulls, and he could barely. He was so tired on the last bull, he couldn't get the sword in. He could barely lift his arm, right? He tried five times, and the crowd was quiet because it was a good bull, and it looked like him or the bull. Like, it was, like it looked like it was him or the bull, right? Like, it was one of them was not going to make it out of this, and the crowd wasn't quite sure which one. Um, and then he finally made it. He sat down in the sand and puked, and they held a cape over him while the crowd hollered and threw things down into the bull ring. Just a complete contrast. I've said it a thousand times. I'm not going to say it anymore um, between the two stories. I feel like the main reason this story is here is just to take a cheap shot at um, not just one friend, but multiple friends. Because um, there's that bit about that bit kind of uh, taking a shot, cheap shot at Ezra Pound as well in there. Um Ezra Pound helped Hemingway out a lot when he was first getting started. Um, Hemingway sort of does similar things to Fitzgerald in some of his stories. And Fitzgerald was constantly giving Hemingway money um, and introducing him to Maxwell Perkins at Scribner's, who became his longtime editor. Um, all sorts of things. The Sun Also Rises is basically just like him taking shot after shot at people. Um, that he knew most of the care, all the character main characters in that book are based off of people he knew. Um, just, I mean, he was a great writer, but he was not a very good friend. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. Um, this episode felt pretty circular. I kept circling back to the same couple of things. I feel like, um, not ideal, but it is what it is. There's not a ton. I don't think that I personally feel like I can say about this story that you can't easily find elsewhere. Um, but we do eventually have some, have some better stories coming up. Cat in the rain's not, necessarily my favorite um i'm really excited just to i think if i remember correctly mild man's pretty good um but i really can't wait to get to the big two-hearted river parts one and two um i think that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun those are really really good stories um so that's it for this episode. Um, 
Until next time, keep on reading.